to another episode of the You Down With OBP podcast. We are back. I am Mick, and I'm joined, as always, by James. James, I wish I could say that we were in the middle of spring training, but as we record on March 1st, of course, as everybody listening knows, uh, games are being canceled, and uh, the deadline has passed for the initial agreement. Not great news on that front, but uh, anyway, James, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. I'm glad to um, be doing the podcast. Uh, it's been a minute, and um, it's always fun to talk shop with you. And I think the mock draft episodes are some of our, our best, and I, I, I can say they're some of our most popular because we can see the numbers. So it's always a fun time, and, and the mock drafts are always a fun format for the cast. I'm a little bummed. One, like you mentioned, there's the uh, – the, the issues with the labor negotiations and when we're going to get a season to start. But also on March 1st, as we are, Jalen Brown rolled his ankle at the beginning of the Celtics game. I got the rest DVR'd, but um, that was kind of a bummer. You know, he's out for the game. They didn't say, come, you know, questionable to return. So the way it looked, he's probably going to be out for a week or two, uh, if I had to guess. Yeah, ankles are tough. It could be, it could, he could be okay. Or it could be, if it's high ankle sprain, then it's like, six weeks or something so exactly yeah. yeah you just hope it It was an ugly one he was able to put pressure on it as he was walking away but um exactly like you said like marcus smart had one going into the all-star break and it had me worried the same way where like you said you could be back the next night or you could be you know out for six weeks so um it'll probably like most things fall in the middle of that but uh it's never fun and it always kind of takes the air out of the game too you know yeah when you have a player of that caliber go down but um not to start on a negative note, the the good news is, uh, well, let's uh, let me start here. Actually, How, what do you think the chances are we're going to get a season and it's going to be a, a decent amount of season? I'm still fairly confident. We have had movement, at least based on what reporters have said in the last couple of days. MLB moving closer to the demands of the union on things like minimum salary. The pre-R bonus pool that would give money to, you know, elite performers who are still in team control and things like that, as well as like the luxury tax, you know, not being so strict on the luxury tax so that teams are willing to spend more, things like that. So apparently they're making progress and it feels like uh, those are things that could get done. Apparently one of the sticking points is the playoffs, whether it's going to be 12 teams or 14 teams. Uh, right now it's 10. So I think that the players could come around on that and say, OK, yeah. There could be 14 teams in the playoffs. I don't know what that looks like if it means that there's more money going to those elite players who are uh, previously would be getting half a million dollars, you know, but playing to an elite level and deserving more than that. Now, the um, would that impact those garbage rules that are built in, you know, baked into the, the league rules and the um, players agreement and all that currently where we'll get like some sort of all star talent and we just have to wait to see them come up? Um, in the new negotiations, if something like that happens, do you think we would see some of the better players coming up sooner or would you think they, they wouldn't impact anything? You know, I haven't seen anything about that. It's I hope that when they announce everything, there'll be there'll be rules about that that say, hey, no more Super 2 and this dumb stuff where yeah. if Chris Bryant back in the day stays down for 21 extra days in April, then they get an extra year of, uh, you know, team control. Yeah, they have a lot of garbage rules, too. So it'd be nice to see some things change. I think um, and anybody who listens to the podcast knows that me and you are definitely on on the player side and all this. We're on team players. But um, people assume when they hear these labor negotiations, it's 
about these players who are making hundreds of millions of dollars wanting to make even more. But I would love to see, you know, minor leagues get treated better and, and just different things that focus on, you know, um, helping the people that are trying to um, break into the sport uh, because I think that's good for the game. Otherwise, it's going to be harder and harder. The knock on wood, it seems like uh, the latest wave of COVID has um, burnt out, so to speak. And um, with the warm weather, if it follows the same pattern, um, you know, hopefully it, it will at least get a pause in that action. So baseball like this every year, right? Spring training comes <laughs> and it's the beginning, both uh, specifically and on a broader sense of um, things kind of getting mid better right right march Uh madness is going to be coming up baseball season's coming up warm weather's coming up um the virus seems to be receding slightly uh i'm pumped for all that and i'm pumped for the mock draft so why don't we just jump right into it yeah sounds good um so yeah it's a bit of a tradition we do a mock draft as our first episode of the spring training of the new season and so we are using fantasy pros and we are using the espn default rosters so that is you know one of every infield a corner infield a mid middle infield four outfielders nine pitchers and three bench so we randomized it and we got the seventh pick so let's get started all right so we simulated the first six picks off the board are fernando tatis trey turner juan soto vladimir guerrero Bo Bichette and Jose Ramirez. Some of the best names still available are Bryce Harper, Garrett Cole, Ronald Acuna, and Corbin Burns. So also Mike Trout available, but he's going towards the back of first rounds this year. I'll let you start, James. What name or names pop out to you? Yeah, I know. Um, I think we probably disagree on Harper, Um, but he's a name that uh, I should probably give more credit than I do but I'm always weary of Um, I could be sold into taking Bryce Harper, but I might be more inclined to either take a chance on a rehab to Cunha, especially if the season starts late or go pitching. But I want to, you know, pick your brain as far as where you're at with who you'd like to see um, with, with the first pick. To me, Acuna looks good. We, as we know, he's coming off the ACL, but one thing that could help him in his recovery is the return of the DH uh, to the NL. You know, we had it in 2020 during the shortened season, and then 2021 went back to normal. And now in 2022, we are going to have the universal DH. That's something that the MLB and the MLBPA can agree on. So we're going to have universal DH. But I think Acuna can work himself back in. Um, he's a young guy, still only 24. I think he's going to still want to show, hey, I can still steal bags. Hey, I'm still super fast. And we've seen guys come back from ACLs faster than they were before. Yeah, I would say of the guys we're looking at who are available, he's definitely got the highest ceiling, I think is probably fair to say. And Bryce Harper, I mean, if you wanted to take him, you could sell me on him. But uh, I definitely don't think his ceiling's as high as Acuna's is. I do forget that he steals more bags than I remember always. And uh, maybe, you know, he's strung together uh, a few seasons, but I just still feel like he, you don't know which version of Bryce Harper you're going to get. But that might just be um, something I should leave in the past. You know, where do you fall, fall on Bryce? 
Well, I mean, MVP last year, such a good season. Um, but yeah, there have been se- uh, seasons before that where the average isn't too good. Um, and the steals are, you know, low 10, something like that. So it's um, obviously a great fantasy player. But talking about seventh overall and talking about fantasy baseball, five categories as we're doing, I love guys who can steal in the first round. So I would lean Acuna, but Harper definitely is going to help your fantasy team. Let's do Acuna and let's see where the uh, where the next picks fall and who we have on the board. Sounds good. All right, let's see who's going off the board. Right after we picked Acuna, Garrett Cole, Bryce Harper, Corbin Burns, Jacob Degrom, pretty early for Degrom, Otani, Kyle Tucker, Ozzy Albies, Mike Trout, Mookie Betts, Max Scherzer. Some of the best names available: Freddie Freeman, Walker Bueller. Luis, Robert, and Rafael Devers. All right, I'll I'll let you start with this one. Who who you who jumps out at you? We locked down some speed in the first round, so we're not necessarily tied to going after speed. If we were tied to going after speed, that might make Luis Robert more appealing. But there's some risk there. He had a really good second half, but there is some risk about him regressing in terms of his strikeouts and things like that. He's a he's a real free swinger but also an elite talent and still 24. But, you know, we have Freddie Freeman and Rafi Dever still available. Third baseman's an interesting position this year. Top heavy with Jose Ramirez and Rafi Devers and Manny Machado. It drops off after that. Wander Franco does have third base eligibility as well. Obviously, probably too early to talk about Wander Franco, but uh, I'm sure we'll get into him in a bit. That makes me think either Rafi Devers or an elite pitcher. Elite pitchers on the board right now, uh, Walker Bueller, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Wheeler, Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber, another risk, right, with that shoulder injury last year. So for me, Devers or, you know, take your pick of your favorite pitcher of probably Bueller, Woodruff, or Wheeler. Yeah, you know, it's funny you mentioned um... – Wander Franco, too, because that could go into, hey, do we want to take a third baseman now or do we want to see if maybe we go get him later? I'm a Sox fan, and I feel like Devers, even though he's still pretty darn young, just seems like such a staid um, player, you know, such a safe one. So I would go Devers uh, personally. All right. I love it. All right. Yeah. Those four pitchers went off. Uh, Bueller, Woodruff, Wheeler, and Bieber. Batters that went off the board after Devers, Freddie Freeman, Luis Robert, Starling Marte, Manny Machado, Jordan Alvarez, Xander Bogarts, and Aaron Judge. So some of the guys available include Tim Anderson, Cedric Mullins, who had an amazing season last year, Teoscar Hernandez, who pretty much is a five-category contributor, as well as Aaron Nola. And before I let give you the floor, I will point out that last year you were you were skeptical of Aaron Nola being, on some people's board, the third pitcher after DeGrom and Cole. And I think you were validated for that because he had a 463 ERA. And I know that he had some bad luck, but I do think he's he's prone to the long ball. And some of those people who have a really low whip but a high ERA, those are those guys who just give up a few too many home runs. And Phillies Park doesn't do him any favors. But anyway, that's some of the guys available. What are you thinking, James? I was looking at some of the guys available, and I would say I almost want to take another bat um, just because I feel like 
we'll probably have some of the similar pitchers who are available, maybe available a little bit later if, if we're lucky. But I could be talked into going, hey, let's let's grab a pitcher while we still have a chance to get, you know, a, a top a top player. Um, where are your thoughts when it comes to strategy as far as would you take a pitcher? You know, would you would you want to get him in the third round versus the fourth? You know, is the fourth too late for you to be pulling a, a pitcher? Where do you kind of you know stand on that? I believe it was um, Nick Pollock from Pitcher List who said a lot of people say, like, is this guy good enough to be my ace of my fantasy team? And he's like, that matters less than when you add up all your starting pitchers, what are their ratios, you know? So don't worry about, is this guy, oh, he's he's my ace. You know, I put him out there every fifth day. This isn't real baseball. It doesn't really matter that you, you, you have a stone-cold ace. Um, so considering the fact that Julio Urias, Aaron Nola, Sandy Alcantara, Robbie Ray, Lucas Giolito, we have them pretty similarly, or I do, I would say. I am not afraid to go with another bat. Uh, we have a third baseman and outfielder so far, Devers and Acuna. Um, shortstops are deep, but also dry up quickly. I do think Tim Anderson might be the the last of a tier. I'm not as big on Simeon and Story as some people, as well as Lindor. I'm not against Mullins either with that 30-30 season last year. You're not a Simeon fan, huh? Uh, he had an amazing season. I Didn't he have an amazing two seasons? I don't think he had a great 2020. I may be wrong about this. But I was definitely out on Simeon last year, and obviously that was dumb because he had an amazing monster season, uh, over 40 home runs. 45 home runs, uh, which is just absurd. Yet, 2020, he had a 679 OP, OPS. Going into 2021, I was like, what's the the hype here? This guy's only had a WRC plus over 98 once in his career, and that was 2019. But of course, I had to eat crow because 45 homers, 115 runs, 102 RBIs, 15 stolen bases last year. You know, when it comes to Simeon... He is going to Texas, which is a pitcher's park. That's a downgrade. That's one thing. I'm, I'd take, take Timmy Anderson. Um, I will say the one thing about Simeon is watching that guy fucking rake last year. It didn't look like he hadn't found another level. You know, it didn't look like he was getting lucky or it was something that he couldn't reproduce. You know, it looked like he yeah. just had found another. It looked like he was seeing the ball and the ball look, you know, going two miles an hour coming at him. Um, He definitely looked like he turned it on, but I I love Timmy Anderson and uh, you know, I love the speed that you get. So um, I'd, I'd be fine um, with Timmy Anderson. All right, let's go TA seven. Oh no. Wonder Franco went at the beginning of the fourth round. Uh, Uh, It's, it's interesting. It's, it's early. We're talking about a 12 team league. That's uh, 38th overall. Since he got picked, I'll tell you, tell you my thoughts on Franco. When I first heard how early he was going in 2022 drafts, I was a little surprised because um, he doesn't have elite power per se. But when you add up everything and you kind of add up the fact that he's a one of the best bets for batting 300 and how important average can be in 5x5 five five fantasy, uh, it makes sense. You know, based on my Z-scores, Based on standard deviation, he's two standard deviations above the mean. That average is really good, and and he'll be winning batting titles. We missed especially out, but- nowadays when you know average is not like the 
roaring 90s, you know, with average. Um, right. It's a lot harder to find these days with people selling out for the long ball. Yep. Other guys who went after TA, Josh Hader, Matt Olson, Julio Urias, Marcus Simeon, Francisco Lindor, Whit Merrifield, Wander Franco, Cedric Mullins, Lucas Giolito, and Trevor Story. Now, two of the names that came back to us from last time are Teoscar Hernandez and Aaron Nola. Uh, the first closer went off the board, Josh Hader. Liam Hendricks is still available. Sal Perez, who had an absurd season last year, 48 home runs. In terms of starting pitcher, Sandy Alcantara, Robbie Ray, Cy Young winner Robbie Ray, and Freddie Peralta. Some good names there. Yeah, yeah, I think we got to go pitching, uh, personally. Yeah. And I like a lot of those names still on the board, so I feel like we might have had a good strategy so far um, yep. waiting uh, on pitching. It, it seems like that should work out. Um, which name jumps out to you? Uh, do you want to go a home team uh, with this, or what are you thinking? I don't. Sometimes I feel like I'm the opposite of a homer when it comes to fantasy sports. Like maybe I see the flaws in my player. So honestly, when I see Nola, Alcantara, Ray, Peralta, Nola's fourth out of those for me. Yeah. Um, I, I love Alcantara. Um, he doesn't have elite strikeouts that you are looking for, but his strikeouts did increase as the season went on, if I'm not mistaken. And I just think Freddie Peralta is a little bit still underrated, but maybe an innings cap, some concerns about if he could duplicate his elite 0.97 whip from last year. I personally say we go Robbie Ray, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, Cy Young winner, he is going to a better ballpark, going from that Toronto environment where, you know, Marcus Semien just hit 45 home runs to Seattle. That's an upgrade. And he, the changes he made to me are changes that can be duplicated. He was a guy who walked too many batters. He started throwing his really hard-to-hit shit right down the middle, uh, and it was still hard to hit. So I'd be down with going with Robbie Gray. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just pulling him up, too. We got, uh, you know, 250 Ks, sub-3 ERA, 32% K rate. Uh, so, yeah, I say let's do it. Why not? Sounds good. I like, right. I like the way the team's shaping up. For sure. Now we just got to go find a uh, Red Sox. Yeah. Well, we got Rafi. So are we going to get a get another I one? I need more. <laughs> more. Give them all to me. Oh, look at sales name jumps the, up on the board, I think. The um, Kylo Ren uh, gift. Yeah, more. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think about that all the time. <laughs> Have you seen the one with the throw pillows? No. <laughs> uh, it's the best. You know, like how like the ladies uh, and men, too, I guess. Um, we don't discriminate here. you down with OBP. It's like, you know, like those beds that have way too many pillows on them that women tend to prefer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just like it's like, a, you know, obviously hyperbolic is the last one. It's just like a million throw pillows on this bed. Um, <laughs> is he screaming more? Uh, it's fantastic. Oh, uh, Adam Driver. He's a he's a great actor, but he's kind of he's kind of goofy, right? He's got like oh, a goofy totally. quality. Yeah. So it's just incredible. Um, <laughs> after we pick Robbie Ray, Sal Perez went. Teoscar Hernandez, Aaron Nola, Liam Hendricks, Freddie Peralta, Austin Riley. Somebody who I was kind of out on, Austin Riley. Somebody who you weren't out on. Just had a great season last year. Um, yeah, you know I always love Austin Riley. Yeah, just a masher who struck out too much, and I was like a little yeah. worried about his strikeouts, but he really is looking like an elite player. And and if you got him in Dynasty, he you could have a, a great player for the next 10 years. Um, Aloy Jimenez. Paul Goldschmidt, Sandy Alcantara. That would have been cool if Alcantara got all the way back to us. 
Pete Alonso, Rosarena, and Nick Castellanos. So here we are in the middle of the fifth. We have Tim Anderson, Devers, Acuna, and Robbie Ray. The starting pitcher is still available if we wanted to double up our Lance Lynn. Red Sox, great <laughs> sale. Kevin Gaussman going to Toronto. And Max Fried, who had a great playoffs. Some of the hitters available, Byron Buxton, who I love, but has injury problems every single year. Adalberto Mondesi, a huge, you know, red flag in terms of injury as well. Tyler O'Neill, who is just great. Somebody who you picked up off waivers last year and, and got you 34 home runs, 15 stolen bases, and a good average. Yeah, you know, I, I took some notes um, <clears throat> before the, the podcast. And if you have the players available up, you can probably finish the sentence. But I just wrote basically four words. Um, and I just wrote death, taxes. Chris Sale? And Lance Lynn. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just feel like every year I'm I'm fading him. And every year he seems to kind of prove me wrong for, for where he's going. Chris Sale, you know, like you said, maybe it's that you kind of see the warts and all sometimes, but I worry a little bit about Chris Sale. Um, he's definitely got an amazing ceiling. Uh, I tend to say either Lance Lynn, Chris Sale, or Tyler O'Neill would be the three people I'd want to pick from there. All right. Well, hearing that you're concerned about Chris Sale makes me concerned about Chris Sale because I do feel like you you would have a better perspective than I do. He came back last year. The ERA was good, 3.16, but the WHIP was concerning, 1.34. Only nine and the, starts. And how many how many Ks did he get in the nine starts? K rate in the previous three years in Boston before injury, 17, 18, 19. He was out for 2020. 36.2%, 38.4%, 35.6%. That dropped to 28.4%. So a big, big drop of... Seven to ten percent based on those last three years. I'll tell you what I see with Chris Sale watching him, and you know, I'm sure our fantasy faithful, the, the viewership doesn't like to hear this necessarily, but we've talked before. When it comes to like a season, I almost for like as far as the the specific plays of the season. Once it's over, I almost it's like a blank slate. But um, what I remember taking away from Chris Sale was his stuff didn't look as good, right, to me. Um, but he looked like he's the savvy type of player who can play with worse stuff. You know, not it, he might not replicate his numbers, but mm-hmm. it's not going to drop by the same drop that his skill or talent level was, if that makes sense. You know, just to make a stupid example, say he, his talent dropped 10%. Well, I don't think his performance is going to drop 10% too. Right. You know, just to, to, to I think he's going to be able to adjust. But it just didn't seem to have the same nastiness that he's had in the past. He's had a whole off season to, to work on it. So you could easily talk me into Chris sale. I, maybe I'm being too harsh on him. You know, he did just, like you said, it was just nine games. And you also wonder if maybe he was deliberately pacing himself for lack of a better way to put it. You know, you Mm -hmm. don't want to come back and go 111% and re-injure yourself. Uh, obviously he was playing in some big games, but, um, I could easily be talked into Chris Sale, that's all I'm saying. But it did seem like his stuff just wasn't exactly the vintage Chris Sale. I wanted to see uh, when he came back. You know, we'd been hearing reports, and you're fired up for it. And you saw it, and it just looked like it wasn't A-plus Chris Sale. But um, he's, what, 32 years old? 
I think he definitely has a super high ceiling. But um, where where do you land uh, of the three? I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you and let you pick. I was kind of you know curious what you thought about Sale, and and I kind of want to take your your word for it in this situation. Lance Lynn is a steady Eddie, always a good whip, um, solid strikeouts, not elite strikeouts, but solid. 34 years old. I think we should go with Lynn. Let's do it. I'm probably going to eat my words. You know, uh, tomorrow I could go the other way, but I think that he's a safer bet. You know, I think he has a higher floor and a lower ceiling. Hey, I, I hope from a personal level that Chris Sale comes back and has a Cy Young type season, which wouldn't be insane. Don't think anybody would be like floored if that were to happen. You know, if he returned to oh, basically all that would be is him returning to form. Right. You know, right. Um, but I, I feel good about Lance Lynn. Yeah. And it's like one of those things where, um, hey, if Chris Sale's good, you'll be happy. You don't need a million shares of him on all your fantasy teams, too, because you're a Red Sox fan. So, I mean, that's yeah, not exactly. exactly the analysis people come here for. But, you know, it's true. <laughs> it's like it's like my brother likes to bet against his own teams because that way, if they lose, you, you know feels like he still won something. Right. Um, whereas I like to double down on it. <laughs> uh, I never, I, I'm, a, I'm a sucker. I always bet on the home team. All right. So what do we do? Where, where do we land here? What do we uh, give us a state of the union on just to recap for the viewers at home, who we've picked and wh- where we might want to focus. Yep. So we got Tim Anderson, Rafi Devers, Ronald Acuna, and then we've gone two pictures and, Quick succession, Robbie Ray and Lance Lynn. And, you know, the fact that we, when you think about roster construction, when you think about the slight volatility of Robbie Ray, but the elite strikeouts to double up with Sale, a similar profile in Sale, uh, might not have made as much sense. So now we have that yeah. elite guy with the strikeouts, but has had a walk problem in the past with that steady Eddie Lance Lynn. I like that a lot. Um, who's gone off the board? Unfortunately, Tyler O'Neill, Corey Seager, Chris Sale, George Springer, Byron Buxton, Luis Castillo, Alex Bregman, Arenado, Altuve, Rysel Iglesias. Some people available. Kevin Gaussman, Mondesi is dropping in this in this draft. Although his ADP is 67 and we are 66 overall, so not dropping. Just has been in our view for a couple picks in a row. Jack Flaherty, Jose. Barrios. Uh, one name I want to bring up is Jose Abreu because there's definitely a cliff, whether it's a perceived cliff or a, a real one, I'm not sure. But Jose Abreu, ADP 65, and then Jared Walsh is the next first baseman, 113. So big drop there in ADP. Still some second baseman available. Uh, Javi Baez, Kettle Marte, Brandon Lau, Jorge Polanco. Some of those guys qualify for short as well. Carlos Correa still available. J.D. Martinez has outfield eligibility this year in most formats. And um, in terms of closers, Edwin Diaz is probably the guy we would look at if we went closer. Yeah, uh, I would say out there I'd like to look at Diaz maybe. And you could certainly uh, talk me into getting some J.D. shares. So where do you where do you land? Where we get a closer who should be really, really solid, a great case, um, but we're not paying like a third or whatever the price is for Hader and Hendricks these days. Um, I know that in NFBC drafts, those guys go in the second round. But the thing about a lot of those drafts is that they're 
kind of like best ball, right? You draft and hold. So you pick people and you can't pick up free agents. Well, we don't live in that world. So I wouldn't draft a closer that early, but I feel like we're getting a discount on a guy who's uh, pretty solid in Edwin Diaz. With the closers, picking them early, what I always think of is uh, my older brother will talk, what is it, like uh, survivor bias maybe? I forget what the specific bias is. But he'll talk about in like real world examples what our current, say, billionaires are, right? Um, versus billionaires in the past that might have been oil or, you know, inherited it. But a lot nowadays we'll have these tech billionaires and they're kind of like they're people you want to emulate and they're kind of like rock stars, you know. But if you think about it, it's it's almost like they're the ones that just took these idiotic risks, a lot of them, and it paid off. And it's almost like looking at somebody who won a lottery ticket and saying, obviously, they have talent that goes behind this. But for a lot of them, they just like pumped all their resources and money into one thing and it and hit it. Um, and it's like, well, is that the person like that's the person that we all view and see? And mm-hmm. they're in the forefront of our consciousness because they're in the news every day. But like there's like a hundred million people that attempted something similar and all failed, you know? Right. Um, and now we're looking to them. So with closers, you might see that guy and envy him. Um, one of your you guys in your league who picked the right closer early and he, and he killed it, but there's probably three or four other guys that are kicking themselves because the closer situation is always so volatile. Um, and there's always closers that come out of nowhere and have big years. Yeah. You know, it's it worked last year. If you drafted Josh Hader, if you drafted Liam Hendricks, it worked. So this year, people are sort of doubling doubling down on it and going earlier. But I feel like there's a reason why we don't do this every single year. It kind of reminds me a little bit of that year where in fantasy football drafts, the first three picks were wide receivers, like out of nowhere. It was like Antonio Brown, Calvin Johnson, and whoever. Maybe I'm getting the names wrong. But it was like nobody does that any other year. And it was just one year chasing the success of the previous year. Now, of course, it didn't work out. You know, as we always say, zig when others zag. So I am going to still continue my process of, you know, maybe getting one elite closer, but I don't think I'll go second or third round for one of those guys. All right. So we are now in the middle of the seventh round. And after Diaz, there was a couple closers going off the board, Ryan Presley and also Roldis Chapman. Other players off the board, Javi Baez, Jack Flaherty, JT Realmuto, somebody who I tend to get in a lot of drafts in previous years, Kevin Gaussman, Max Fried, Charlie Morton, Will Smith, Logan Webb, Jose Abreu, Jorge Polanco. If Abreu had gotten back to us, that would have been brilliant. So that first base cliff has fallen off, so we don't have to pick a first baseman anytime soon, really. Uh, the picks that I'm most disappointed of not getting back to us are one of the catchers, Real Muto or Will Smith. To see them both go is disappointing. Um, and Jose Abreu. And um, so now who we got available? We got Mondesi still, Barrios, Frankie Montas, Ryan Reynolds. Second baseman, we still have Brandon Lau and Kettle Marte. Shortstop, Carlos Correa. Anthony Rendon, but it would be a little early for him. Anybody stick out to you, James? You know, I know that we've just spent the past three picks um, focusing on pitching, right? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Lynn and, and um, Diaz. I would say I still think maybe Jose Barrios uh, is who I would pick. You know, I think that let's just have a killer pitching. You know, let's let's not lose on pitching this year. 
Um, I just think he's good. I like him. You know, he's uh, trended and not maybe as sharp of a trend up as I would have liked to have seen and expected, you know, but he's trended in the right direction. So I think he's, he's who, he's who I'd go with. Yeah. He's a, he's another steady guy like Lance Lynn, but he did kind of go to another level last year with a 106 whip really solid. So kind of interesting that you know, I keep bringing Toronto up, but they played in some band boxes and Dunedin and Buffalo, you know, Toronto being a hitter's park as well. And he, he had one of his best seasons ever playing for probably the best team he's ever played for. So I'm totally down with going with him and solidifying our pitchers after starting yeah. with three straight hitters. If, if uh Mondesi is available now, do we have to, do we have to think about him? Well, Definitely. He, he did go. Okay. He finally went, um, Emmanuel Classe, the closer, Marte, Kettle Marte, that is, Mondesi, Taylor Rogers, J.D. Martinez, Jazz Chisholm, Frankie Montes, Brandon Lau, Christian Yelich. Weird to see Yelich in the eighth round, but it makes sense. Yeah. And Joe Musgrove. So some of the good players available are you Darvish. We could go five pitchers in a row. Some of the hitters available are Jonathan India. Anthony Rendon, who's definitely one of the guys I have my eye on this year. Uh, four straight years of a 900 OPS or better before his disappointing last year. But uh, I'm just a little more bullish on him than the projection systems. Like I said, those four straight elite years, uh, not too old, only 31. And he was having hip issues last year. So I'm hoping it's a wash season for him because I like watching him and uh, I'm rooting for him. Some other good players available, Stanton. If he's healthy, he's going to be awesome for you. Brian Reynolds, Jesse Winker, and Cody Bellinger. So, yeah, I mean, I'd go Stanton or Rendon, I think. Sometimes, you know, anybody who listens to us is going to, it's going to, I'm going to sound like a broken record. We all know I tend to, there's a certain hitter profile that I tend to like, and I don't think Giancarlo Stanton necessarily falls outside of that. You know, I think oh, he's no. firmly, squarely in that wheelhouse. You have him pulled up. One thing that surprises me is that he's 32 years old. Um, I would have thought he was younger than that, but let's look at this. Ready? Pull up his stats for a second. So when did he have his, his biggest, best year? Best year was probably 2017, 59 home runs, 159 games, 2017, <laughs> 2018, 158 games. Why? It doesn't go with your narrative? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just, those are absurd statistics. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, then 2019 and 2020, only uh, 41 games combined in those two seasons. And then last yeah. year, back to health, he was doing yoga. Him and Aaron Judge were doing yoga, man. And Stanton had 35 home runs. Uh, 273 average, obviously, RBIs knocking dudes in. Uh, he's a value when you look at uh, projections. You know, I'm a big projections guy. I haven't mentioned them all that much uh, today. But uh, definitely a guy who, if he's healthy, is going to outperform his ADP. Yeah, and, and what I was going to say was I guess he would have been, let's see here, what, 2028 maybe when he had his monster year? So not necessarily late for a monster year, but, you know, that promise is like what I, I always still have that shine on him, even though he's he's been hurt and he's had some some bad seasons where, you know, he's missed the ball by a mile. Um, he still still has that shine on him to me. Um, and then I think it's harder to remember when you don't see him in the front center uh, with the injuries and stuff. But I'd go Stanton is who I would pick, to be honest with you. I like it. 
when you think about outfield for outfielders, it gets it gets scarce. You got to be sure that you're getting one, spreading them out, uh, and not get stuck with uh, below average replacement value. Oh, we just got a alert that's a nice pick by Fantrax. <laughs> All right, right after Stanton went Fran Mill, the Franimal, La Mole, which is Spanish. I would have liked to have had him. The thing, the Hulk. Yeah. You uh, Darvish, Dylan Cease, Kenley Jansen, Brian Reynolds, Carlos Correa, Rendon, India, Jordan Romano, Alec Manoa, Carlos Rodon, Jared Walsh. Those are the guys who went. The people who are still available, Jesse Winker, another outfielder, Justin Verlander, who missed last year, of course, but uh, really wish we could be seeing him in spring training if he was hitting mid-90s. Yeah. Could feel confident picking him here, but it, it's tough. It could go either way with Verlander. Shane McClanahan, an electric left-handed youngster. Pablo Lopez, shoulder issues just about every year. Um, he hasn't pitched more than 111 innings in his entire career. Uh, so I just can't pick him here, I don't think. We are in a bit of a dead zone, I would say. I mean, I do like Winker. I do like Shane McClanahan. Uh, Bobby Witt is a, a rookie, never played, but... Uh, Definitely interesting, and we're not breaking the bank. 103rd overall if we were to get him. Um, he has shortstop eligibility, obviously, but uh, could Is pick he up the third speedster? Base. Is he fast, too? Is he yeah, like he's ex- yeah. yeah, he's expected to steal at least 20 bases. It's always hard to project because minor league catchers kind of suck, but uh, he's expected to be a 2020 threat from his rookie year, and that's what people are excited about. I'd say go with him, but... Uh... I, you know, I, I don't want to have a trend where we're kind of chasing past glories. Uh-huh. Um, Verlander seems to me to be the type of pitcher that can adjust. You know, obviously he's got great stuff, but I feel like part of what makes him great isn't just his stuff. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if Verlander had a, a bounce back here after the injury. But um, I, so I'd either go Witt or, or Verlander um, would be the two guys I that kind of stand out to me. Yeah, one thing that makes me confident in Verlander was the fact that the Houston Astros, a very smart organization, gave him two years, $50 million, so 25 a pop. Uh, so they have confidence in a 39-year-old Justin Verlander to continue to perform. And they would be knowing what he's hitting on the radar gun, you know, pre-lockout. So that, that does intrigue me. That's a great point. You know, a lot of times you forget to look at stuff like that, or at least I do. Um, dang, Mick. <laughs> I'm sold on Verlander. Yeah, wait, so when was the deal? You're saying that the deal has been... Yeah, it's, when did they... it's done. Uh, they, done before lockout ended, so they have the confidence in him. Yeah, I mean, uh, that to me speaks volumes, and uh, I say go with Verlander. Let's go Verlander. Uh, Plus, definitely... you can watch the games, and you can see uh, the old lady uh, in the stand sometimes. Yep, Kate Upton, for sure. Um, so that is our pick in the ninth round, Justin Verlander. Bobby Witt did go, did yeah. not come back to us. That's all right. No problem. Tommy Edmond, Cody Bellinger also went. These are the names that went. Chris Bryant, Max Muncy, Blake Snell, Lopez, Shane Boz, Mitch Hanniger, Bobby Witt, and Josh Bell. Jesse Winker still available in the outfield. DJ LeMayhew can play around the horn. Shane McClanahan still available. Let's just see some other hitters out there. We still need a first baseman, a second baseman. Mountcastle is a solid power hitter. 
although they did move their fences back, right, in Camden? So, I mean, it shouldn't affect him too much, but could take away some home runs. Uh, CJ Cron, remember we talked about in the podcast those ridiculous home splits, uh, but he's still playing at Colorado. He re-signed for Colorado. Uh, Reese Hoskins in there. <laughs> Colorado, Solid. what an absurd organization. Yeah. Can we see LeMahieu's stats the past couple of years? I feel like when you mentioned our uh, positional needs, it wouldn't hurt to have kind of somebody with that eligibility, um, you know, on the board. And you know that DJ LeMay, for the fans out there that don't remember, I can't fucking stand (laughs) because you just look at that squinty-eyed piece of shit and you just want to punch him in the teeth. (laughs) But nonetheless, you know, he's somebody that I I want to target, I think. But I want to hear some stats. I want to see some numbers behind it. He went from a 364 average to a 268 average. That's we're talking about almost 100 points in an average from 2020 to 2021. Obviously, 2020 smaller sample because of the shortened season, but a guy who has hit around, uh, you know, 310, 320 so many times in his career, 348 back in 2016. Of course, that was in cores, but you know, he's been great. He's been great since he came to Yankee Stadium. I think he was lucky for the two 364 average, and he was unlucky, of course, for the 268. I would definitely say that his hard hit stats didn't change that much and um i see him as a guy who's gonna bounce back and and be a real positive contributor to your average which again we said is a is an underrated stat and he's gonna chip in everywhere else but you know hurt you in in home runs but he is a guy who i expect to be a real positive in average yeah i could i would i don't think anybody would be surprised to see him hit around 300 so that's who i would go with yeah. but um you know you you do you agree what are you thinking I, li- I like it. I like how you said the uh, the versatility, first, second, or third. So we don't have a first baseman or a second baseman right now. So we're kind of saying, hey, if there's a better first baseman on the board, we could still pick him. If there's a better second baseman on the board, we could still pick him, have that flexibility. You know who went? Oh, the <laughs> we rooster. We had to talk of it about it at some point. I, uh, yeah. I deliberately tried to like black out any research I did. I didn't even yeah. want to look into Joey. You know, the rooster uh, wasn't pretty last year. No, uh, his ADP this year is 136. Um, he just went in our mock at 125. Last year, he did have 38 home runs, but a 199 average. Uh, after coming over to New York, the average dipped. Power was good. So we're going on two straight years of uh, 199 average last year and 181 the year before. That 253 I, in 2019 is is looking farther and farther away, but can we get there? Can we get there? I am still high. <laughs> on, I'm never not going to be high on Joey goddamn Gallo. Of course. He's a beautiful man, and his swing is fantastic. And honestly, I think I was surprised when you just said 38 home runs. Um, my memory of last season for him was that it was uglier. I still, I mean, you know, I think he's in a better place to hit than he was before. Um, For sure. And I think he's now had an off season with the team and, you know, more experience in the ballpark, yada, yada, yada. So why can't Joey Gallo go out there and hit 230 or something like that and hit 40, 50 home runs? So if he was still on the board, I wouldn't have shied away from him. But uh, even though he's not a person that we're considering right now because obviously he's off the board, we need to find a reason to talk about Joey Gallo in the podcast. Yes. I don't think we've ever done one without him. I don't think um, we have. Where do you land? Have you finally given up on Joey Gallo? It's okay if you have. I'll I'll still do the podcast with you. 
Um, I think in terms of five by five fantasy that he's, you know, he's going 136 and that's appropriate, I guess, you know, in real baseball, he still had a 123 WRC plus in spite of that uh, 199 average because of, you know, walking 18% of the time and how does walks do in New York? Um, so before the move, 19% in Texas and then 16.2% in New York. So it did go down. Really struggled in New York. Wow, 160 average, but the home yeah. runs were still there. That's what I remember. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I still, I still think we're gonna see a Joey Gallup season where yeah. he uh, he doesn't. I mean, he's never gonna help you with average, but I think that we can see a season. He he walks so much. I think we're gonna be able to see. And and if you're in an OBP league, it's a little bit different too. For sure. He's he's he jumps way up in an OBP league. Yeah. If you get rid of average and add OBP, uh we're which down been, with that. Which my fa- which my favorite league uh that I do, which I think you're gonna join this year if we can get a yeah. baseball season. Yeah, excited um, about that. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. It's so much fun. Um we we haven't switched the base percentage though, you know, on, on base percentage. It's it's been a hotly con- you might tip the scales this year though. I'm trying to think. The person you're replacing, my brother, uh, <laughs> I think that you will um, I think he was surely an OBP vote to begin with. So I don't know if it's going to tip the scales, but we haven't revisited it in a long time. So maybe we'll do an OBP league this year and uh, and I'll jump on Gallo in like the second round. I think he's going to be able to hit like a 230 average. We'll see. <laughs> I'm never going to be shy. I've paid Joey Gallo. He's, he's, he's my heart. So with Gallo... You know, look at the K rate, around 35% each of the last five years. You know, instantly you're you're putting yourself in a hole in terms of average. Then his BABIP has been around 240-250. So not great. Uh, when he hits those line drives, obviously it's going to fall in. But uh, his one outlier year was a 368 BABIP, over 100 points higher than those 240-250s. And that was the year he hit 253. Um, Joey Gallo shares a first name with another guy with an Italian surname, Joey Vado. If Vado, if Gallo did the reverse Vado, you know, Vado sold out for power. If Gallo just kind of just adjusted a little more in the opposite direction like Vado did as he got older until last year, could we see Gallo just use his natural strength to just uh, hit some more in the gaps and things like that? Uh, I'd be interested to see that. You know, it's it's a fantastic question, first off, because as we've discussed on the podcast in the past, Joey Gallo is very smart. Um, he's a smart offensive player. You know, when he's in the batter's box, uh, people have talked about it. His managers talk about it. His teammates talk about it. Um, you know, he, he does look for certain pitches, and he he's like a Manny Ramirez, where he's the type of player where you don't realize that maybe because of what, you know, you think of them uh, just from a, a superficial glance, you know, you don't realize that there's a good baseball behind mind behind there, especially when it comes to at bats. Like you should hear when you hear Manny Ramirez. Oh, my God. It's like it's like catnip to me to hear him talk sometimes. You know, he would deliver, you know, he talk about, you know, he'd whiff on pitches on purpose just to try to get him later on. You know, he's he, he was always trying okay. to be one step ahead of the pitcher, and he he, he was a student of the game, uh, even though a lot of people would say he's a goofball. I wonder if Manny Ramirez would be viewed in the same lens in 2022. A lot of these guys who English isn't their first language, 
I, I think people almost think that's like a silliness. And Manny Ramirez, don't get me wrong, is a silly guy. You know, he was very uh-huh. silly out there. He had his Manny moments. But uh, he's a smart guy. And um, so where, where did Joey Votto go, by the way? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, he's still available. Uh, his ADP is 143. I mean, last year, he just continued to amaze, hitting 36 yeah. home runs, just saying, hey, I'm going to hit for power now. I'm going to try to hit home runs. Simple as that. So we are at overall 127. Votto's 143. Um, I will bring up another name I like, Willie Adames. His ADP is 137. And then uh, after that, I would say maybe Ryan McMahon. But when you look at Ryan McMahon's stats last year, 23 home runs, 85 RBIs, it's just it doesn't seem to really match up with uh, Votto or Adamas. With Ryan McMahon, um, what was his uh, – how many at-bats did he get last year? 527. Wow. Okay. Yeah, you would have thought there'd be – you know, everybody's – you know, for the longest time, the narrative has been let's see the at-bats and see how many home runs he hit. Um, but he got the at bats and he didn't hit that many home runs. Yeah, that's bad. That's bad, Ryan McMahon. <laughs> right, and a 252 average in cores, so didn't yeah. help you there either. I'm not saying Ryan McMahon's terrible, but uh, I do like Vado or Adamas. Hopefully, we get both. Yeah, let's um, go Adamas. Why not? Okay, him. we'll go Adamas here. He's a slightly higher ADP, and hope that Vado gets back to us. Uh, Vado doesn't. CJ Cron's a pretty decent backup plan. So let's go Adamas here. Uh, I like Adamas. Uh, it's been talked about a lot, his move from Tampa to Milwaukee. Now, that in itself is an upgrade in terms of ballpark. But, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know uh, Adamas said he couldn't see the ball at Tampa. He couldn't see it. He had trouble picking up the ball. He went to the Brewers and just absolutely raked. And if you're getting that, if you're getting that player then you're getting a better than 127th overall player. In Milwaukee, he had 20 homers in 99 games, an 886 OPS, and he chipped in four steals. Um, just, I just one more thing I want to tell you, his career away stats. Because if you consider the fact that he says, hey, I can't see it as well in Tampa. In his career, he has an 884 OPS on the road and a 664 OPS at home. What if this 884 OPS guy, what if that's more what he is? Uh, and if so, I think we got a steal at 127. Yeah, and Milwaukee lets him run loose usually, right? So um, mm-hmm. you might see it a couple extra stolen bags to come into the mix. Uh, I couldn't speak to Tampa Bay um, with the steals, but Milwaukee's one of those teams that jumps out. Like I think Texas lets him run a lot, Milwaukee lets him run around. Um, so I love the pick. I think it's great. You so, you definitely have me uh, convinced on it. So where are – so we still need, what, second base? Or first. We could move LeMahieu over to second in our starting lineup and then go with uh, Joey Votto at first base. Yeah, uh, we could go with an outfielder like Trent Grisham who could chip in with steals. Um, or we could go back to the pitcher well, Framber Valdez. Chris Bassett's kind of like a sneaky – I don't know about A's, but, you know, 3.15 ERA, 1.06 whip. That's like basically like Lance Lynn. Well, it's better than Aaron Nola for sure. And I think people uh, overrate him. I mean, underrate him a little bit. And I don't see a reason why he can't come close to that uh, again. What was from Rivaldez's Achilles heel at one point? Was he having a hard time throwing it over the plate ever? Fromber. 
Rhymes it could with be way out of line here. Maybe it was just like one series or something that seared into my mind where he couldn't find the plate. Well, James, no, you're not you're not entirely wrong. I mean, last year he he had a 10% walk rate, which is too high. Uh, his whip is 125. Uh, in 2020, in the in the short sample, he had a um, 5.6 walk rate, but on his career, 10.6. Yeah. Okay. So. I bet you it's probably he walks a little more than he should. And I've probably caught a couple of series where, you know, he couldn't find the plate and we scared him off or something. Um, what a fun baseball season last year, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say there's certain seasons that stick out in my head as a fan, you know, a Boston fan in particular, where sometimes, and I differ from other fans in this, obviously the end goal is to win the whole thing, but there are seasons where maybe – you just don't like the team. Like I could never stand the Kyrie Irving Celtics, you know, even when they were doing well, you're just doing mental gymnastics, you know, pretzel logic to try to convince <laughs> yourself you like the team because it's your home team, but you just got this, these insufferable personality on your team. Fun to watch play. He's a brilliant basketball player, but he's just a head case. He's probably a nice person. He's just somebody I don't want to root for. But uh, the Red Sox season last year was so far beyond anybody's expectations. And not only did they do better, but they did it in such a fantastically entertaining way. You know, um, those those marathon playoff games. Um, I, I was lucky enough to catch one last year at Fenway. But um, that to me reminded me, and I'll, I'm circling back to the Celtics here, where we had one season where maybe we did OK and it's not measured the same way as the Isaiah Thomas season we had where Isaiah Thomas, like he was like averaging like 15 or 20. It was insane. His fourth quarter and we outperformed. And that, that reminded me of the Red Sox team last year where um, I was just so down on them uh, from the year before anybody who watched those games too. I think a big part of it was, and I, I was lucky, like I said, I got to go to one. One, I think there was a little bit of that. Everybody's excited to be, at a baseball game, right? Obviously um, it had been all year or much of the year that you could do that, but I still think there was kind of that extra buzz in the air because everybody was happy to be at Fenway park, but unlike other teams, and you can say what you want about Boston, but there are certain markets where the fans did not sit the entire game. Like the game I went to the, you know, and it makes such a difference in atmosphere. Like it was the first time in a while I've been to a game where like, I just my phone stayed in my pocket pretty much the entire time. And I paid attention to every single pitch like mm -hmm. everybody was standing and everybody was cheering. Like if you had those long at bats where you're talking like nine, 10, 11 pitches. Oh, my God, the place would go crazy. You know, so it was it was up there. And, and as a fan, I'm lucky we've had a lot of big moments. But that season was almost on par with the World Series season, um, just as far as how fun it ended, you know, to be able to knock off the Yankees. And, and then make that final push that didn't finish what we wanted. But I don't think you can find a Red Sox fan in the world unless they're just a real piece of shit that would say last season wasn't like a, a surprise success, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. And uh, I'm jealous because the Phillies uh, have had a bit of a postseason drought despite one of the highest uh, payrolls in the majors for the past yeah. decade. So, you know, the lucky thing you guys have, like Fenway, I mean, Fenway, well, there's different reasons for it, but. As most of our viewers may know, and some that don't, me and Mick were friends from college, and we both lived in Philadelphia area for a long time. And I absolutely adore um, that ballpark. I just think it's such a good one for 
uh, one watching the game. I think there's a lot of good lines of sight. And I love the way they have the um, the whole call it middle section that's just standing room. Yep. That's like one big like anybody who hasn't been to Citizens Bank Park. When you go there, especially if you're you know a younger uh, person, call you know twenties, <laughs> um, it's like a big giant social scene. Like everybody just goes, and you know it's like everybody's standing and watching the game. It's kind of like a concert where even though the lawn seats are the cheapest, a lot of time you want to go out and be on the lawn where you can walk around and have free, yeah. uh-huh. free rain and talk to people. And, um, and obviously that's not focusing on, on the game itself, but it's just a really well-designed stadium where you can have standing room seats that are good. Yeah. Like you can have great lines of sight and just be in standing room. You're not like crunched like at Fenway where you're crunched into a seat that's designed for somebody who weighs like 130 pounds and you're shoulder to shoulder with each other. I'm a broad guy. So I'm sitting, you know, rubbing elbows with people the whole game. Um, right. I love to be able to have nice uh, standing room seats and, um, and Philly has that in spades. So yeah. that, that's a cool stadium for sure. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, I went to city field and if you just looked at city field, you would think it was similar to uh, citizens bank built around a similar time. Uh, the Met stadium, I should say. And, uh, but the, the view lines and the standing room is almost non-existent. So uh Talking to you, Mets fans, shots fired. Our our stadium's better. <laughs> I'm um, one of the, I'm weird because my Phillies fandom and I and they're my NL team. You know, most of the Phillies teams I can't stand, and I hate Phillies fans. But uh, <laughs> I do love the Phillies, and but I also like the Mets. It's, it's fucking absurd as that team is with their uh, management and all that. I like the the players that they've targeted over the years. So it's a hard team for me to root against. I should root against them, but. Um, being also a, a Red Sox fan, we share the hatred of the Yankees with the Mets. So I, I feel I'm, I'm probably one of the few people and you can say you're not allowed to. And I would understand that. But I'm one of the few people that likes both the Phillies and the Mets. Uh, I'll give you a pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's the NL too, right? Like, the yeah, NL right. Thing. Yeah, you're an I give fan, a shit but... about the NL, you know, uh, like, yeah. come the time we play against them, I'm not going to root for them. But uh, any, anybody that's not my rival, I kind of. You know, yeah. I'll have a lot of darlings. It's almost like college basketball to me where like I don't really after my one team, I have a bunch of teams I like. Anyways, let's get back to baseball talk here. Uh, who are we targeting? Who's on the board? Mick, break it down for us. Well, I think it's between two guys personally. Uh, there's still some closers, Mark Melanson, uh, Taylor Rogers. But I think it's between Joey Votto and Chris Bassett. Like I said, I think Chris Bassett's really low key. Great guy that you can get around one 30 because he's coming off a season where he had a 315 ERA and a 106 whip. Year before that, 229, 1.16, and then uh, 381 with a 119, and the year before that, 302, 1.24. You're talking about really solid numbers, not too different from some of the guys who go in the top 50 overall. So, yeah, I'm, I'm torn between Bassett or Votto. You know, I could say either one. I love the idea of just having what, at least on paper, is a fantastic um, lineup of pitching. Yeah. Um, so I would definitely not shy away from it. From And we've talked about this countless times on the podcast, but just from purely, uh, hey, I've got this team of fantasy players. I, you know, we split the package or something like that, and I'm watching the games. I fucking love watching Joey Votto at bats. Yep. And I know that from an actual, our viewership might want to say, hey, well, who do you think is going to be the better player to perform? And I understand that. But a lot of times I just, I, and it's worked for me in the past, 
but I, I would go Votto just because I want to watch the at bats yeah. um, for this for this experiment or this. You know, it's not like we're we're falling through. I'd be totally fine with Bassett and saying, hey, let's see what our awesome pitching staff does. But um, I'm, I'm inclined to go Votto. But what are you thinking? Yeah, let's do it. And hey, maybe Bassett comes back. Uh, probably not. There's a lot of picks. But yeah, uh, no, I I subscribe to that too. Uh, draft the guys you like. Uh, root for a team of guys you like. It's you know, I like to pick like good dudes too, and it's not like you know virtue signaling. I just like have more fun with a group of like guys who, as far as I know, are good dudes. You know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it's but, so surprising how many people seem to be pieces of shit. It seems like inordinately high. It's almost as if growing up and being treated like a celebrity from a very young age and being the best at everything and and analyzed and and cut breaks isn't good for, you know, growth as a human being. But who knows? Um, Wilson Contreras is still on the board. Wilson Contreras is still on the board. Uh, Catchers, there is a big drop-off after Real Muto and Will Smith. Uh, On the doc I have from Fangraphs, it said his ADP was 100. Uh, Listeners, if Will Smith's ADP is actually 100, definitely go and get him. Wilson Contreras is definitely a, a, a really big drop-off from Will Smith, but we are at pick 151, uh, and his ADP ranges from like 110 to 120. After him, it's even bigger drop-off of the people who are left on our board, Kabert Ruiz, Tyler Stevenson, Mitch Garver. You love Mitch Garver. I did love Mitch Garver. I mentioned <laughs> him when we were on the Jeff Erickson Rotowire podcast because I was like, yeah, I picked him up, and he hit like 40 home runs. I'm so smart. And then the next year, he hit like 160. Uh, what did Jeff say? Jeff wasn't on board with Mitch Garver, I don't think. <laughs> yeah, Jeff might have shot it down. Um, I recall. I think Chris Bassett went off the board, so I think that uh, it really does make sense to get to get Wilson Contreras here. Yeah, I don't even – obviously, yeah. for the, the purpose of the pod, maybe we can talk about other players, but I think Wilson Contreras is a no-brainer. Yeah, so we are filling out our starting lineup – you know, you don't always have to draft to fill out a starting lineup. You know, to listeners, it's okay if you get a, you know, a corner infielder or a middle infielder before you fill all your outfield or whatever it may be. You know, just best player available, things like that. But it is nice and tidy to fill out your uh, starting lineup. So, so far we got Wilson Contreras, Joey Votto, DJ LeMayhew, second base, shortstop Tim Anderson, third base Rafi Devers, middle infielder Willie Adamas. Outfielders Acuna and Stanton. Our pitching staff is Robbie Ray, Lance Lynn, Jose Barrios, Justin Verlander. Some solidity there with Lynn and Barrios. Some more high ceiling with Ray and Verlander. I Uh, love our pitching staff, Mick. Yeah, really like it. Fromber Valdez went. I was about to say still on the board. Sean Manaya is still on the board. Sonny Gray. I do love Sonny Gray. You're, you know, iffy with him. Uh, he did have a kind of a poor year last year compared to his standards, 419 ERA. If we think about hitters, hitters still on the board, Boom Boom Mancini, Ty France, Jorge Soler, who's still a free agent, Josh Donaldson could fill our corner infield Is there spot. any um, relief pitching that's worth even taking right now, or what's the relief pitching scene look like? Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, Melanson went. Melanson signed with Arizona. Not the best landing spot in terms of a winning team, but I don't really care too much with my closers. Uh, after that, yeah, has, but Arizona also. I mean, you don't want to yeah. be pitching in Arizona, right? That's true. It's a it's a stadium that uh, 
you know, with the, with the dry heat and everything. It's, it's a, like cores. It's like cores light. <laughs> exactly. Cores light. Um, yeah, the reliever pool has dropped off a bit. Yeah, that's um, like shit. Let's just look other places. Yeah, Kimbrel signed <laughs> or he got traded to the White Sox, right? So they have Kendrick, uh, Liam Hendricks. So I wouldn't draft Kimbrel. I'm not so sure why he's this high. You might um, draft him, but you wouldn't draft him this high. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I think uh, the name that sticks out to me might be Josh Donaldson. Boom, boom, Mancini as well. He didn't have a the season we were looking for, but come on. He was coming back from cancer, uh, hit a bit of a wall, which is to be understood when just maybe your conditioning's not there coming back from cancer. So we're still I high. Feel like, yeah, yeah, I love boom, boom. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think it might be a little early to take him. I might, yeah. you know, I might take him and dropped a little bit. Yeah. Um, Donaldson is kind of a guy like, uh, I think a Justin Turner, uh, who isn't going to give you 600 at bats, but when he's playing, he's going to still be really solid. 457 at bats last year, 26 homers. Um, so, you know, when he's in your lineup, he's going to perform He's a pick that you can feel confident about when you have a, a deeper bench and some IR spots. So it depends on your league. So they're suggesting Manaya, Clev Dog coming off of uh, Tommy John. Um, I'm wary How of old people is coming off. 31. Okay, yeah, he's not a I'm, spring chicken. I'm wary of people coming off Tommy John after uh, Chris Sale, Luis Severino, and uh, yeah. Noah Syndergaard barely playing last year. Uh, what if, so we don't need a first baseman, so we wouldn't look at Lourdes uh, Curia. He has uh, outfield eligibility too, though, and uh, just sort of an all in a four category sort of player, I would call him. But he doesn't steal bases. So yeah, I would say I would either go with uh, Goriel or Donaldson. Um, you know, you sold me on Donaldson, so I'm I'm cool taking him. Goriel, I think, has outfield eligibility this year, and. Uh, and, you know, I always like to root for that team, even though they're in our division, and I try not to, but they're just a fun squad. Yeah. Steady Eddie, a guy who you can put into your lineup and feel solid about it, whereas with uh, Donaldson, it really depends on your roster, your league setup. If you have, like, three bench, three guys on the bench, you can't really afford to trust Donaldson. So let's go, Guriel, especially since we're not going to do probably the whole draft. So, um to fill out our starting lineup kind of just feels good. You know, we should see, he's probably not, but we should see if Nelson Cruz is still available. Yeah. You know I'm always down to Cruz. Yeah. Nelson Cruz is, um, if you're in a format where you're like sorting, you're like, okay, who's available first base, who's available second base, and you, you don't click DH, then you can miss out on, on Cruz. But Cruz is taken. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Cruz is a guy who, hey, he's still performing and with the NL getting DH, that's 15 teams that are probably looking for a DH. He's a free agent, but he's a guy to definitely look for around pick 150. All right, so I think at this point, Mickey, let's try to just use the um, the draft to uh, highlight some folks that either we're big on, down on, or just want to just talk about. Um, and one guy that I'm seeing on this board is we look, we probably don't need starting pitching right now, but somebody I want to talk about is Marcus Stroman. And uh, again, people might be saying, just shut the fuck up and talk about fantasy baseball for a second. But did, if you followed Marcus Stroman on Twitter. Uh, I don't follow him. So enlighten me. It's fantastic. <laughs> he was doing um, he was doing the playoff games like he was like live tweeting all the playoff games last year. And he's just 
fucking great. Like you, you see the shit he says and you're like, I wish this guy, he's like the opposite of like uh, Alex Rodriguez calling a game. Mm-hmm. Like, like he just has so much insight. And um, I think he, he, I mean, he didn't have like a garbage year last year. And, uh, but, and he's a, is he a free agent or did he sign somewhere? Stroman. Signed with the Cubs. So the Cubs had a weird offseason where it seems like they should have rebuilt, but they went and signed some people, and Stroman was one of them. Yeah, I like Marcus Stroman, um, but I'm biased by following his, uh, like, you would love it. You got to go go back and look at some of his um, last year's playoff tweets. Like, he would just, he just live tweet the whole game, and uh, and he would just talk about pitchers in their bag. Like, there was just, it was killer. Um, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, um, you you would get a kick out of it. He, he seems like... Uh, he seems like a nice guy, and he seems like a Joey Votto type. That's cool to hear. I think the times that I've seen his Twitter are when people like retweet. Like I know he does a lot of. Uh, he's very fashionable, and like when the the Mets go on road trips and he gets off the plane, he'll show what he's wearing. So I I saw those types of things. And the other memory I have of Marcus Stroman was the WBC World Baseball Classic. I can't remember what year it was. Probably what 2018. And not all the best pitchers go right when it comes to pitchers. And it's February or whenever they do the WBC, a lot of them say no thanks. Uh, Chris Archer was supposed to be the ace, and Marcus Stroman was like the second ace. Chris Archer, I think he made one start, had a good game, but then he left. He went to spring training. Stroman stayed the whole WBC and really stepped up. A lot of swagger on the mound. Had some great performances against big clubs. I'll always remember him for that. And he's a 5'8 starting pitcher, which is also a pretty cool thing about Stroman. I think if you were to follow Stroman... He he just has, you know, I, I'm making, I'm throwing out comparisons left and right, but, you know, I would say Votto in the sense that he seems to really be a student of the game. And he also just seems to be like the kind of, he seems like a fan favorite. Yeah. Um, people that had him on the squad, like, uh, you know, he, he seems like the, he says all the right things and he's got personality. And, um, you know, he's the type of player where if, like we were saying, who were we talking about when we said, like you said, you try not to draft pieces of shit. And it's like, I would be crushed if I found out that Marcus Stroman was a piece of shit. Right. Because uh, he seems like a nice guy. Absolutely. And and he, he's interesting to, um, you know, he's got personality, but he also talks about the game and stuff. Um, so uh, he, they, I'm probably a little biased because I think he was like, he, 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 when he was live tweeting the games, it was mostly just super positive shit. So yeah. if he was like live tweeting the Red Sox stuff, he'd be like, holy shit, this is amazing. Like, look at what he does here. Let's break down his nine pitches. And it's like all live. And he'll be like, this is why he's doing that. And it reminded me a little bit of Tony Romo when he first came onto the broadcast desk and, or, you know, to, pardon me, to call the games. And you would just be like, holy shit, it's night and day when you're listening to a guy who just got out of the league versus these old dinosaurs like Troy Aikman, um, <laughs> just how much better he understands the game. Um, and when you listen to Marcus Stroman or read Marcus Stroman on Twitter, like you're just like, why the fuck am I listening to Joe Buck right now, who just seemingly has no clue about how modern baseball is played. And like Marcus Stroman is breaking down these pitchers, what makes them good, like why they're throwing in certain places and mm-hmm. where they want to be. And um, and it was just really, really fun to, to follow. I, I followed him immediately after watch, like seeing like a thread one night. Awesome. Well, I'll follow him. Uh, and maybe, you know, maybe Marcus Stroman will, will follow us back. You know, you down with OBP. Uh, yeah. The problem is that he won't be probably <laughs> tweeting during the season unless his yeah. team's out of it, which they yeah. probably will be. Well, but, the Cubs, um, yeah. 
Yeah, you know, uh, everybody was accusing him of um, of like blowing smoke up teams' asses, hoping that they would like you know sign him because they were uh-huh. like, you were just drooling over like the Red Sox. Now you're drooling over the Yankees, and it's like, <laughs> well, I think he just appreciates when pitchers are out there, you know, um, being lights out. Yeah, but um, he also had a three oh two ERA. Yeah, three oh two ERA, one point one four WHIP, uh, ground ball pitcher. Uh, he's gonna have some success with the Cubs. Uh, yeah. He's not going to strike out the world, but um, if you've already drafted a lot of flamethrowers, you can do worse than drafting Marcus Stroman in the For later sure. rounds. Let's just Stroh. round Stroh. Let's just round out our team. Do you mind if we go with Josh Donaldson to fill out our corner infield? I do not mind. All right. Josh Donaldson. That gives us a solid infield. We just need one more outfielder. Jorge Soler, Robbie Grossman. I feel like Robbie Grossman's underrated after a 2020 season. He's a guy who I had on a lot of rosters, picked up from free agency, obviously. Uh, where else are you going to find 2020 this late? The answer is probably nowhere. Yeah, dude. 2020 this late? That's gross, man. Yeah. All right, let's pick up Robbie Grossman. Oh, and I, you just... <laughs> that pun just went right by me. It took me like... <laughs> It took me saying his name again, being like, wait a minute. Well, I think it was just so awful that you, del- you know, it's like people blacking out or like, yeah. you know, deliberately misremembering things. You're going to be in like a therapy session later in life and you're going to be digging into your subconscious and you're going to be like, oh, God, he did say that. You know, that that's the cause of all my problems. Who said puns are the lowest form of comedy? Didn't somebody say that? <laughs> <laughs> um. Anthony Santander is available. Willie Calhoun, another guy who we've talked about and liked in the past, Ramon Laureano, uh, his stolen bases come and go. He's still suspended for a couple more games because of the um, PED suspension he had. That was such a bummer. He was killing yeah. it, wasn't he? Well, he had an interesting, uh, he had a weird April where he had like 10 steals. Just boom, in April. And then I think like in May and June, he didn't steal any. So it was like, yeah. it was weird. You expected him to steal and you kept waiting and waiting and having him on your roster and he stopped stealing. Um, but no, he's still young. He's 27. And uh, as long as uh, PDs weren't the, the, the source of his success, I think he's, a, he's, a, he's another guy who's going to contribute in pretty much all categories for you. So we got to pick somebody. I see the screen right now is showing us uh, Ben Attendee. Ben Attendee, you could take her leave. Um, he is going to be always in the forefront of my mind for that. Um, in my opinion, maybe, geez, I don't know, maybe the gutsiest. And I hate when people use terms like gutsy or um, like when golfers are talked about like they're gladiators. You know, it's like, what? Like those two don't really map together. What a gutsy performance from Phil Mickelson. It's like, what the fuck are you mm-hmm. talking about? Um, like he's a golfer, like what's, he's not like a boxer, but I will say that Ben Attendee, uh, catch, you know, in the world series was, um, it was remarkable. Cause you have to, if you sell out on, on charging a line dry or a, a low fly ball, you're, you miss that the game's over and he caught that and it was fantastic, but yeah, I don't know. He's still 27 years old, which is still when we talked earlier about Giancarlo Stanton, and we discovered that his breakout season was 27 or 28 years old. And Andrew Benetton, still only 27. I'm not saying he's going to have a Sean Carlos Stanton type season, but 
it just puts things in perspective, I think, too, um, when we're talking about him. Yeah, another another guy, Bobby Dahlbeck, a guy who really had an incredible second half of the season. Had one of he had about a 960 OPS in the second half. He said he figured things out. Uh, Alex Cora said he figured things out, simplified his swing, stopped striking out so much. I think his K percentage went from like 35% to 25%. Definitely an interesting guy. Uh, Red Sox have a really good farm system, and they have Tristan Casis, who's coming up soon. But if Dahlbeck continues his success from the end of last year, Casis might have to wait till 2023. Or, you know, it'll work itself out. But I love Bobby Dalbick, so you don't have to sell me on Bobby. Um, and from a, uh, a fan perspective, it looks like, you know, it looks pretty when he's out there playing better. And I think that um, a drop from, what, 35 to 25, you said, for his uh, his strikeouts? Yeah. That's huge. That's insane. Yeah. You know, that's a giant drop. I wouldn't – I mean, maybe it levels out somewhere in the middle. But – um you know, we're in a different time. We're striking out 28% of the time, 29% of the time isn't as giant of a liability as it once was. So we're late rounds. I say we do Bobby Dalbeck, and obviously I'm biased. No, I think it's a good pick. It, you know, he's the type of guy who who fits into our util spot, but he also has first and third base eligibility. So he has that added bonus to give a little wiggle room to your roster. So yeah, should we call it there in terms of the mock draft, James? I think I think we should. I let's recap who we've got and uh, and call it. Yeah, I'll start catcher Wilson Contreras, first base Joey Votto, second base DJ LeMahieu, shortstop Tim Anderson, third base Rafi Devers, corner infield Donaldson, middle infield Willie Adamas, outfield Ronald Acuna, John Carlos Stanton, Lourdes Gurriel, Robbie Grossman, and Util. Bobby Dahlbeck, then to go over to pitchers, we drafted Robbie Ray, Lance Lynn, Jose Barrios, Justin Verlander, and closer Edwin Diaz. Obviously, we we went 18 rounds. We did not fill out the whole draft. This team makes me think of Nick Pollock, again, the pitcher list uh, creator. And he says, pick four starters that you know you're going to rely on for the whole year. And then the rest of the starters that you pick could be guys who you're okay dropping if uh if they don't perform like you expect or somebody else pops up remember robbie ray wasn't drafted in all leagues last year guys like that pop up every year so even though we didn't fill out our our rotation we got a really good base and then our closer edwin diaz yeah and obviously we would take more flyers on on closers if we were going to do a whole draft so that's our team james what stands out to you what do you think? Strengths, weaknesses? Well, I would say weakness-wise, obviously, we would have probably, you know, drafted more closers as the the, um, the draft went on. And maybe we could have done with one more closer. But like you said, I think you can always find uh, you can always find kind of that closer that's on a scrub team that might not have the best ERA or whip, but all of a sudden is getting you those closes, uh, you know, maybe like 10, 15. Um, and then they get traded in the middle of the season, but you've already kind of captured some of that fire, and then you have some leverage if you want to trade them first and stuff like that. So I like to play closers on the waiver wire, so I'm not I'm not losing sleep over that. What stands out to me, which I love to see in drafts, is I think we have a really good mix of 
safe bets and uh, and and appropriate level of risk taking with maybe some of the guys that were hoping to return to form. So I love to see stuff like that, you know, with, um, you know, just looking at like Acuna Jr. next to Stanton, just to give an example. Like, I love seeing those two names next to each other. I think that kind of embodies a little bit of what we were looking for, where if you can draft some of the um, some of the younger guys, you know, that you expect big things from, then you can take flyers out on the older guys. I would have liked to have seen us get. Who would I have liked to see this get? I would have liked to see this get maybe Willie Adama. I mean, pardon me, um, Wander Franco. Um, but what can you do? Joey Gallo went about appropriately in the draft, but obviously I always want to see Joey Gallo. Um, I'm trying to think what else stands out. I love the pitching. The pitching is is probably my number one favorite thing. And uh, even though he's old as shit, I think Justin Verlander is going to have a good year this year. Yeah. Um, what stands out to you? We got guys who steal bases, uh, Ronald Acuna, Tim Anderson, um, and Robbie Grossman. Do did we need some more steals? Potentially, but that's something you can you can uh, you know look at the waiver wire for. But also, if you're doing your draft and you have your spreadsheet open and you say, okay, th- this is the number of stolen bases I want. Say so you you say, okay, I want to come out of this draft with a hundred. I want to come out with 110, 120, whatever the number is, just make sure you get there, you know? So as you're going through your draft, a guy like Robbie Grossman might come more appealing. And so, yeah, I think we have a really solid team. I just simulated the rest of the Fantasy Pros draft, and Fantasy Pros gave us a 95 out of 100, uh, not for nothing. You know, obviously it's just a computer, and it's just based on their projections, but that's pretty cool. And I would say, to interject for a moment, to those listening at home, it wasn't like we were just sitting there clicking on Fantasy Pro's recommendations the entire time. Yeah. So, 95 out of 100, though, that's nothing to sneeze at. I think that I think we did well. I, I love seeing Jose Barrios on there. I wish we got maybe one more closer. Um, steals, I've always said with steals, and I stand by it, I love getting steals off the waiver wire. I love picking guys that are liabilities with everything else but you know when you're talking steals you can also get them later in the season you can always find some guy that sucks at everything but stealing bases and you can look at your lineup and see where your weaknesses are and if steals is that it probably won't kill you to have somebody that sinks maybe average or something like that and probably more likely power but i just feel like steals is something that you can be agile with and get any time in the season there's always people that steal a lot that just can't hit the ball out of the park that aren't drafted. Um, yeah. And, and they come about and maybe they're on shit teams that just are like run, 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 because who cares? Uh, they need to, they need to manufacture run somehow. Um, so I do not feel that bad about being low on the steals. Same thing with saves. I think a lot of people will agree saves you can pick up along the way. Um, you know, you gotta, it's, it's kind of one of the more frustrating things about fantasy baseball where, you know, it isn't really rewarding the best fantasy baseball player and the one that's sitting there watching the, um, market and for lack of a better way to put it as far as, uh, um, saves, because, you know, there's all those things that you, if you, you just need to be completely on top of who's injured, who's getting dropped, who's yeah. seeing, you know, whatever. But um, I just feel like saves, if, if there's two categories, right, I think everyone will agree. If there's two categories that you 
probably can pick up along the way. I think it saves and steals. No, I, I like that. I think our offense is really solid. Um, I don't think steals is too bad, but um, I think we have Tim Anderson, who's a, a batting title champion. We have D- DJ LeMayhew, who's a batting title champion. So that is a really underrated category, and I just feel like we're really solid in – I feel like we'll be really solid in home runs, runs, RBI, average, and I, and I don't think we'll be last in steals. And I think, like you said, you could pick up a guy like Robbie Grossman last year who got you 20 home runs and 20 steals. Um, yeah, what people are finding out is if you're active, you can you can make up for stuff. It, you know, it's roto, right? You If you're on it, if you're looking at what your strengths and weaknesses are, you can adjust as the year goes on. You know, to everybody listening, I mean, you're listening to a fantasy baseball podcast. You're passionate about it. If you stay on it, you can... You can pick up on those weaknesses, and um, and there's nowhere where that's more the case than steals and saves. Jamie, any final words? You know, the only thing I would say, uh, final, just to carry on what you were saying, and then maybe I'll do a little bit on the um, the recap. But uh, I would say if I had to wage a guess, and this might surprise all our listeners at home, but um, Mick and I, we don't exactly we, – we haven't sprung for the – um, market tracking software and all that <laughs> stuff to see exactly what our listeners' uh, demographics are. But if I had to guess, if you're listening to our podcast, you're probably not. I think you're probably more your average fantasy baseball player than than say you know those guys in the fantasy baseball classic and stuff like that. Um, and and I just couldn't stress enough. I think that a lot of it is just staying vigilant on the waiver wire and paying attention and not getting that, hey, I've played 16 holes of golf and I'm, my mental attention span is fading and I'm lifting my head up when I swing. You know, um, it, it is a fucking slog, fantasy baseball. Football starts to start, you know, towards the end of it and and you can lose focus. So um, it, it definitely pays to, to be on top of the steals and, and um, saves and stuff like that because, uh, you know, people do – get mentally tired of staying on top of fantasy baseball. And then, and then that's when you got to strike. Um, I'd say the draft went really well. It was a blast talking with you, Mick. I, I hope, I don't know if we started out fast enough this episode. I felt like we might've been a little dry and then we got a little uh, looser as it went on. But um, just like everybody, it takes a couple at bats before you start having a, you know, seeing the ball better. Um, did you have any final thoughts, Mick? No, it's a, it's always a blast to, uh, to pod with you, James. Um, I guess I will let everyone know where they can find us. You can find us at you down with OBP. That's the letter U. And our website is you down with OBP.com. I put out waiver wire articles during the year. Uh, so definitely check those out to make sure that you stay up on all those guys who are not owned enough in your leagues. But until next time, thanks for listening and Slava Ukraini. Fuck yeah, let's go.